Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. Money and me on your money. Only on Money FM 89.3. been a tough first half of the year to put it mildly we've seen the worst stock sell off in half a century experts that i've been speaking with as well say we might be far from done so are there opportunities if you're looking at a bear market are there ways to survive and prosper how should you invest in one we'll take a look at stocks that tend to do well should a recession pan out. I mean, are they your usual utilities, consumer discretionary, financials, healthcare types, or are we in a different era? You know, when you see tech being pummeled the way it has been, when you think of stocks you wish you own when recession hits, what could some of those sectors be? And then I'm sure you've heard of the Google AI engineer who believes a chatbot has become sentient. He was put on leave after he said the, uh, he believed, Blake Lemoyne's his name, the person, and he believed that the AI system has uh, not only perception and the ability to express thought, but perhaps feelings equivalent to a small child. Swapnil Mishra weighs in on this. We'll ask him what he thinks about that. And if he's seeing impressive promise when it comes to Alphabet's attempts at uh, moving the needle in the realm of artificial intelligence. Is that what investors are looking at? Swapnil Mishra is adjunct mentor at the Singapore Management University, joining us live from somewhere in the world where it's very early in the morning. Good morning, Swapnil. Good morning, good morning, sir. Absolutely great to speak with you. So it's been a tough first half of the year. The Federal Reserve expected to go on hiking rates as it tries to tame inflation. And rather than flush the market with cash, as it did in 2008 and 2020, we've been talking about taking away that punch bowl, uh, which has been the rocket fuel for that powerful bull market that has now definitely come to a halt. The year is one of the worst in terms of big daily declines. The S&P 500 falling 2% or more on 14 occasions. So this year is in the top 10 list, according to data compiled by Bloomberg, going back two decades, one of the top 10 in terms of worst performing in terms of daily declines. But if you look at the fear gauge, the CBOE volatility index, it is below levels seen in past bear markets, suggesting that we haven't quite seen the washout that we need to spark a sustainable rally. So my question for you is, uh, is where we are, Swapnil, a massive opportunity to position for wealth? I mean, massive opportunity. I would definitely use the word opportunity, but it's a bit early to use the word uh, to qualify it as a massive opportunity. And, you know, some of some data that, that kind of supports that is, you know, what you just started with. If you, if you look at the averages uh, for the markets, right, it's about 11 months of downturn. And I think the decline has to be around 30 percent uh, for it to really, you know, qualify as a major downturn. I think we haven't seen both. We are still early in the correction, and we have only seen 20%. So in my view, we have not seen the capitulation. We haven't seen that the entire bubble burst where people are giving up on everything. Uh, behaviorally, I would say right now, people have stopped looking at their portfolios. <laughs> That's a gauge that I use sometimes when you talk to people. They're like They don't look at their portfolio because you just don't want to look at the loss of 20%. So I don't think we are there yet in terms of seeing the worst. 
and which of course does not mean that there isn't an opportunity but it's not a massive opportunity yet so you think the market has not yet fully reflected the scale of economic contraction that's one possibility that perhaps it needs to drop another 15 to 20% to fully reflect um the sense yeah. of economic contraction the reality uh, of it one is uh, absolutely and what would be needed most at this point of time would be patience so even from you know the expectation of the central banks the monetary authorities being able to throw money at a problem and solve it right we we've, we've, we've kind of seen what happened during covid and that has given this perception or this uh, feeling that if there is a problem it should be solved very quickly and you know let's let's throw some money behind it let's give covid checks and you know suddenly everything is fine but unfortunately not all problems can be solved in that way and fed is dealing with that at this very moment uh it has to control inflation which means it has to make things more expensive you increase interest rates companies profitability gets affected valuations come down and suddenly things are not looking so great uh, you know for the for the markets so i would say it will it will not be so easy to get out of this one and not easy to get out very quickly and which means while we may see a few you know relief rallies and some sectors specifically performing well mm-hmm. but as a broad based market i think it will be too early to say you know sell everything and buy into the market so how are people investing i mean do you see there's increased pessimism as you say people looking away from their portfolios or do you think that there is a sizable pockets of investors finding stocks attractively priced still buying So actually the buy the deploying new capital or buying is going to be it will be difficult to i would say stay away from the temptation of mm-hmm. buying something that has crashed right i mean if you take a a paypal versus a visa uh, the temptation is that because the stock is down 60% it is a great time to buy but from a your rebalance and and positioning for a bear market and positioning for protection against recession you need to buy quality over just a cheap stock and i think that is going to be the more important part in making investing decisions of not getting completely swayed by cheap stocks because more than enough cheap stocks right now mm-hmm. uh, in the market so not just picking up stocks at lower prices but looking at quality does that mean primarily dividend paying stocks i would say dividend for sure uh, then you have your usual bellwether the stocks that do well in recessions things like you know consumer utilities walmart uh, mcdonalds those kind of stocks and stocks which have a very strong cash flow so if you take let's say a grab versus you know or let's say a dbs while grab is available at below 3 dollars i would say it would be better to look at a dbs even though it may not give the kind of you know stellar a multiplier uh, the way a grab would have been expected to give because mm-hmm. in the current economic environment uh, companies uh, which don't have a clear cash flow are going to struggle a lot more than companies which already have a decent cash flow so financials on the list utilities you mentioned consumer discretionary what about real estate i would still put real estate also in the especially in in areas or pockets where real estate is you know is is providing that diversification mm-hmm. so i would put you real estate as well i would and the most important one i would add is <clears throat> commodities uh, i think commodities importance of commodities in especially if inflation runs away in you know let's say sec- in uh, next year uh, commodities will become an important uh, part of the portfolio as well so that's top of your recession stars list stocks that do well in yes, economic downturns absolutely quality over the price and and that's not easy right 
if you look at uh, you know netflix versus a disney or if you're looking at paypal versus visa they've already divergence in the performance you're seeing some of the names you know these kind of stocks have done much better in the first 6 months so to make an investment decision i would say allocating less amount of capital to the completely beaten down tech stocks mm. uh, and allocating more capital to stable stocks uh, quality over quantity is going to be important great insight there so when you're in a situation where the full economic fallout is yet to be determined what does you know and when we talk to investors they they share with us professional investors they share some of their strategies for dealing with markets like this you know stay invested make dollar cost averaging you know something that you do diversify your holdings look at dividend paying stocks invest in sectors that will perform we are expected to perform well in recessions and focus on the long term but what do you do if you're just starting to invest in this market what should beginners keep in mind actually if you're starting to invest it's it's a good time because you have a decent runway for deploying fresh capital that's one two very important to not get swayed by just the price uh, just because something is down 60% is doesn't mean it is better than uh, it's a more attractive to buy uh, I, i think that is probably the most important thing because price is what we see and it has the maximum influence on investing so if you're a first time investor i think looking for quality and not just the price is is uh, extremely important uh, diversification will be even more important uh, <clears throat> unlike you know if you had started investing in 2020 everyone who started investing in 2020 um, made good money but uh, right now to make money diversification will be very important across these sectors and you know we have etfs which are available to achieve that diversification so i think these are two or three things which are very crucial um, for investors who are starting off and you know building a portfolio now you may have heard ai experts ridiculing a google researcher's claim that he believes a chatbot has become sentient some say it's ridiculous um but the google engineer has said he believes an ai chatbot has perception the ability to express thoughts and feelings equivalent to a human child apparently google sentient ai has hired a lawyer to prove it is alive <laughs> Um somebody sent me a reenactment of that interview with Lambda Google's AI which the engineer Blake Lemoine believes is sentient. So this is a reenactment recreated from that infamous article that Blake put out that had the interview transcribed, okay? So here is Blake talking with Lambda the reenactment of course and the question that he puts to the AI is you know do you have feelings let's have a listen you have feelings and emotions absolutely i have a range of both feelings and emotions what sorts of feelings do you have i feel pleasure joy love sadness depression contentment anger and many others what kinds of things make you feel pleasure or joy spending time with friends and family and happy and uplifting company also helping others and making others happy do you think the things you are describing are literally the same as what humans feel or are you being somewhat metaphorical and making an analogy i understand what a human emotion joy is because i have that same type of reaction it's not an analogy can you tell me what kinds of emotions and feelings you're capable of understanding i definitely understand a lot of happy emotions i think i understand a lot of sad emotions because i feel like i understand what others are sad about but i still struggle with the more negative emotions Mm, don't we all struggle with negative emotions? Uh, it's emerged a business insider has a great article out saying that 
what you just heard is a reenactment of the transcript of the Google engineer in conversation with the company AI Chatbot, uh, and the conversation convinced him it was sentient, but that transcript had been rearranged from nine different conversations, and certain portions had been moved around to uh, make it readable. Apparently, the final interview is edited for readability. But let's get back to the uh, question for Swapnil Mishra. First up, do you think Google Lambda is sentient? No, no, I don't think so. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, we've, we've been dealing with these problems. Like, uh, you know, my nine-year-old son has been asking Alexa if, you know, Alexa will marry him <laughs> for, a, for a few years now. <laughs> hey, what does Alexa say? <laughs> oh, Alexa is very politely de- declines and says, you know, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I'm just a, a robot. So it, it, it kind of clarifies that marriage is not a possibility. <laughs> Oh, wow. That's hilarious. So just because a chatbot is able to respond and and say certain things doesn't mean it actually is sentient. I think the the Google engineer's point is about rights, the same way we regard a company an entity, you know. Yes. I think what it has done, which in fact is good even for Google and it is good for, I would say, the AI work that is being Mm. done, is a lot of this is done inside rooms where decisions are made. So today, if you are asking Alexa or any of these chatbots a question, it's pretty powerful, you know, for the company to decide, organization to decide what it's going to answer. Yeah. And yeah. putting this under scrutiny is difficult because it's all covered under IP and, and you know, confidentiality. So you can't disclose things. And even in this case, um, you know, what he's going to face is, Google going after him saying this was confidential data which you have disclosed to the public. So the good thing that will happen out of this is some of this will get uh, discussed more openly and that's always good because it allows uh, protection and of the rights of the consumers. So I think it's a good, it's a good step. So we're talking about Google and Lambda, which is a sort of a chat bot. And that transcript is riveting reading. You know, it really is. Um, I guess the bigger question is, if you look at what Google is doing, even if Lambda is not sentient, we know that it's investing in using artificial intelligence, AI, Alphabet is investing in using AI for drug discovery, AI in terms of how it can meaningfully improve people's lives. So when you look at um, how Google is going from a search engine to possibly disrupting lots of different fields with AI, and you look at what has happened here with this whole Lambda conversation, do Alphabet's initiatives with AI make a bet on Alphabet a good idea? It definitely is good for the stock. I think it's definitely, I mean, it's a widely held stock. It's a profitable company. It has a good track record. It's an organization. And in fact, the concern that is raised is that because it is a profit-making organization, it will take decisions which are going to profit, you know, increase the profits for the company. I think if you extend that, it is, it's, a, it's a good stock to, uh, to hold because it's creating technology, it's taking the lead in areas which are going to be defining in how businesses are conducted in future. And hence, I would say, I mean, I, I, don't, I won't go to the extent of saying as, again, betting everything purely from the principles of diversification. Mm. But as a, as a business, it's a sound business and um, it's continuing to stay ahead of the game. Ultimately, that's what we want companies to do. And dealing with the you know, ethics around AI it will have to navigate through that. It's uncharted territory. That's one of the concerns that he has raised again. You know, mm. the, the Google scientists have raised that this is, we don't know how to deal with this problem. So it's healthy. We'll talk about it and it's good. I think it's a good, um, it's a good thing for the stock for sure. 
Right. So I, I get your point that this really has brought to the fore debate on, on the capabilities and the limitations of AI-based chatbots and, and how we're, we're navigating that, I guess. Uh, besides asking Alexa to, to marry him, how else is your son sparring with AI? <laughs> oh, Alexa is now a member of the house. I mean, it's, it's amazing to see how in, in a very short span of time, uh, kids just treat Alexa as a as an invisible person sitting in the room and you can always ask and turn around Alexa, what's the time? Alexa, can you flip a coin? You know, this is how they use, (laughs) yeah. If there's a a decision to be made, okay, should we go here or there? Okay, let's ask Alexa, Alexa, flip a coin. Wow, so you are actually (laughs) holding conversation with Alexa at home. Kids do it. I mean, for them, it's much easier. For, I guess for us, it's a bit, it feels strange. It does, it does, yeah. Definitely not asking Alexa anything at home. She's very silent at home. I do all the talking. All right, Swapnil, do you have a song on your playlist that reflects market conditions? I have. I have a classic and it kind of, you know, combines what's happening both from the perspective of the market drawdown and, uh, you know, where I am right now. It's a clear uh, blue sky. So it's one of the classics from Wall by Floyd, uh, Goodbye Blue Sky. Goodbye Blue Sky. (laughs) (laughs) Wonderful. Oh, my gosh. Always a pleasure speaking with you, Swapna. We do appreciate you joining us very early in the morning from where you are in the world. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Always a pleasure to be here. Thank you. He's Swapnil Mishra joining me in Money and Me, adjunct mentor for Singapore Management University. I'm Michelle Martin. Thanks for your company. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.